You're listening to Between the Pages, a book club podcast that focuses on books written for young readers. Our book club's made up of a rotating roster from the staff of Camp Half-Blood Austin Branch. Hey, demigods, it is time for Half-Bloods to assemble. Come quest with us at camphalfbloodaustin.org. This week, we are tackling Chapter 4 of The Lightning Thief, and you're going to get to hear a great story from early in the days of Camp Half-Blood Austin. I'm Moises Chuyan, your moderator, and joining me as always is your host, our founder and creative director, Topher Bradfield. How you doing, Topher? I'm doing great. It's so great to be back with all of you crazy people. Uh, we're going to jump right in to Chapter 4 of uh, Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief. Uh, who is joining us this time, uh, well, Topher? We've got Hector, Adele, and Joby! <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> We just left off in our last episode uh, diving into uh, chapter four and talking about how the ends of chapters really make you want to not stop reading and consider it the end of something. Oh, my gosh. Uh, almost feels like you can you can only really properly read this book and stop by stopping in between <laughs> chapter breaks. What mystical mayhem has Rick wrought uh, yes. with titling chapter four? Chapter four, my mother teaches me bullfighting. As every boy experiences. You know, like you do. Yeah. A little more tame than, you know, Grover losing his pants, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so where where do we go? We've we've just piled into the car and it's an action adventure chase scene. Yeah, so, so the Camaro is barreling down the road, uh, apparently toward Camp Half-Blood. It's raining. Uh, and something is right behind Grover. We don't know what yet. Yeah, not sure what that is yet. Um, and Percy, of course, ob- brings up the most obvious thing. Most likely not a hurricane. <laughs> right. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Percy brings up the obvious, you know, so you're kind of looking at Grover and his mom. Uh, so you and my mom know each other? Question mark. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. Uh, and, and so, you know, Grover... You know, again, I think kind of gives him sort of a half truth, sort of not, not, not the full truth, but he says not exactly. Um, you know, we've never met in person, um, but she knew that I was, I was watching you, you know, that kind of thing. So we, we reestablish the whole Grover as an entity looking over like Percy somehow. Um, and then, and then Percy going, so what are you exactly? Um, and and then Grover trying to brush it off by saying, "Listen, kid, that's that's not important right now, yeah. right?" Yeah. <laughs> um, because I mean, technically, in in the grand scheme of things, in Grover's mind, it doesn't. No. Like they're in mortal danger, and in Grover's mind, look, what I am does not matter. We're about to. Die. Yeah, are you going to comment on the way I look at a time like this? <laughs> at least. But in Percy's mind, we're about to die. At I least. want to know it, it why you have... It doesn't matter to Grover until, until yeah. he calls him a donkey. <laughs> and then it matters. And then it matters because, well, look. Yeah, because Hang he... Hang on now. Like, he lets yeah. out a, a, you know, a... You know, kind of noise. Like, as soon as he gets upset at it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, it doesn't matter, but you clearly just got offended when I call him yeah. a donkey. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's... it's so, so, these wonderful kind of comedic beats are still there in this really tense moment. And we're we're doing some uh, some covering of ground that that was uh, you know kind of we had loose threads that we're tying back on we we addressed Mrs. Dodds who yes. in fact did exist yep. uh, Percy Percy was being gaslit there for a little bit but it's like okay here's here's how reality actually is dude he's like so you admit she was real and he's like of course you know like 
slap, boom. Right. He's like, you know. Um, it, so so Percy has these natural follow up questions, right? Like, so you know, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me that these monsters existed? And he has this uh, this this reason for not telling him that actually makes sense. You know, the less you knew, the fewer monsters you'd attract. And it makes sense in this way that yeah. doesn't make sense. It's like, right. I mean, okay, but what? Yeah, and then he mentions something that's really important later on in the very next sentence. We put the mist over the human's eyes and we hoped that you'd think the kindly one was a hallucination, but it was no good. You started to realize who you are. And Percy's follow-up was, who I... Okay, okay. Um, wait a minute. What do you mean? Like, what are you talking about? Um, there's a lot of information. You're using a bunch of jargon. You're assuming that I know what it means. Yeah, exactly. I do not know what this means. You're gonna have to explain. You think you're explaining this? You're like, oh, the definition of this. Uh, the definition of this. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 And and so then of course we hear the noise again. The big bellowing that's been behind them the whole time. Right on the heels of, of, of that kind of realization. I mean, but it's probably no big deal, right, Topher? It's oh, yeah, not... it's just a hurricane. That's all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no big deal. Um, so then so then Percy's mom's like, okay, listen, you know, kid, there's a little too much to explain right now. Uh, we got to get you someplace safe. And and we know from the previous conversation that that place is Camp Half-Blood. So, you know, off, off they go. Um, when Percy asks, okay, who's, who's after me? Like, like what's coming again, there's, there's sort of like a deflection, you know, like, Oh, don't, it's, it's okay. We'll get to it. We'll get yeah. to that. Don't worry about it. Yeah. yeah don't worry well, about that. Sarcastic right deflection. Yeah. Yeah. Sarc- yeah. He's, he's, he's still chafing under the donkey comment. Right. Yeah. So, um, he's very salty and I really enjoy that about him. And, and then <laughs> like the gloves are off. Yeah. 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 Being nice with you now. The Listen, kid. And, and then the real, <laughs> so who's after me and, and, and then the real casual, the casual way, oh, you know, just the Lord of the Dead and a few of his bloodthirstiest minions, and, and you know, Grover, kind of, you know, that, that that moment where Percy's mom was like, TMI, you know, gotta ease him into this, yeah, uh, and, and and then Grover just going, can you try faster, please, Miss Jackson? So, yeah, I mean, it's 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 really fun. We start to see the strawberry signs which later on we come to know as like, hey, you're getting close to Camp Half-Blood now. Yeah. Um, you know, pick your own strawberries on the picket signs along the road. The, uh, the, car, the car's uh, just zooming right along. Yeah. Uh, and then suddenly it's not zooming right along. Right. <laughs> um, you know, boom. After the admission of those weren't old ladies, you know. Right, uh, more of the pieces falling into place. Yeah, more and more. the fates. Um, yep. Uh, it, so... Yeah, so then suddenly she she pulls uh, you know the wheel hard to the right to avoid this this massive figure that she'd swerved to avoid in the road and and you know Percy's like what was that um, and mom just like we're almost there and kind of like <laughs> you know don't worry about it we're almost there right. it's fine it's fine everything's fine um, yeah and and then and then more rain. Uh, and, and him thinking back on Mrs. Dodds and uh, the moment that she sort of transformed into that ugly, kindly one. Uh, and and it, it sort of paralyzes kind of Percy. He, he talks about just like the fear from that moment kind of, kind of made his, his limbs go numb. Um, you know, she wasn't human. And then thinking back on Mr. Bruner uh, and, uh, and then boom. 
the accident happens. Percy feels weightless. The car is, is you know, in Percy's words, exploded. Uh, and, and then crushed and fried and all of these other terms that, that, that Rick uses for the auto accident. Um, and, and then the next thing, he's sort of peeling his forehead off the back of the seat. And, and his mom's shouting after him. He's like, I'm okay, I'm okay. Uh, he wasn't dead. The car hadn't exploded. Um, but it's yeah. just a lightning bolt. It's just no, no big deal. You know, nothing, nothing huge. Yeah, um, lightning. Yeah, that Casual. was the explanation. Casual lightning. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, like happens. Uh, Grover though, kind of fares less well, kind of through this whole accident thing. He's sort of slumped in the back seat, you know, motionless, and um, they've they've got to they've got to get him out of there, um, and. You know, Percy's wondering, is he going to make it? And then he hears Grover, like, mutter the word, food. <laughs> and he knows he's going to be okay at that right. point. Same. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, more lightning. Uh, and, and, and Percy's mom's like, you got to get out of the car. We got to go. We got to go. There's still that sense of urgency, right? They know, she knows that there's something there. Um, they have to get out of the car and, and head up a hill. Uh, that you know, to, he's told that right. you know you, you got to get up there. There's a there's a tree up there. Um, Just a single pine tree. Pine tree, yeah. Giant pine tree just standing alone on this hill. And you know, the, the good news for Gabe is there. You know, the the car you can probably buff that out, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it, yeah. the car's a little bit damaged, but you know, the, the car at this point, the car could theoretically still be fine. Yeah, yeah. And, at this and, point, right? And and mom, I you know the mom. Uh, you know, Sally is basically saying you have to make it to the White House and the giant Christmas tree that's out <laughs> up front. Um, and we're noting she is stuck in the car right now. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and so she is telling him to go without her. Yes. And he's like, Mom, you're coming too. She's like, You got to make it to the property line. It's like, This is important. You have to make it there. Um, and it, she, the look she gives him when he says, Mom, you're coming too. Like, you can tell Percy is caught up in absolute dread and panic yeah. in that moment. Um, There's a fear. <clears throat> he, you can tell in part, the fact that he's yelling, the fact that he's being so vehement, said, even, even alludes to the fact that he is resigned, that he may actually lose his mother. Yeah. But he's yelling against what he knows is a very strong reality. Yeah. And she's telling him the the thing that's after them is only after him. After him. he does not care. Right. He does not care. He he is going to uh, do what he instinctively feels like is what he's got to do yeah. to protect her. Yeah, you got to come. I mean, I, I don't think there would be a single one of us here who wouldn't right feel the same way. Right. Right. You know, it's really really, um, it, it's it really easy to identify with, especially and then, after that glowing introduction. Yeah. Yeah. How could you not at this point? And right. so, so then, then we get this kind of passage where the figure that they encountered in the road that mom swerved to miss initially, in, you know, Percy sort of describes it as a, a giant man with like a blanket over his head. Yeah. Um, and suddenly the man with the blanket on his head um, is seen again coming towards the car, uh, but it's not a blanket. And the, and the thing has these huge meaty, meaty hands um, and, and he's bulky and fuzzy uh, and that it looked like it, this thing has horns. Uh, and Percy's really, really trying to make sense of, of what's going on here. 
and, and again, mom says, it's not after us, it's after you. Um, and he's like, okay, we're getting out of this together. Mom's like, I told you, just leave me, you gotta go. And he's just like, I'm not leaving you. Here, help me with Grover, mom, you know? Uh, and, and there's this, I don't know that it's implied here kind of necessarily, but I, I have this moment where things sort of slow down for Percy and there's this calmness, all right? Mom, you and I are gonna get Grover out of the car and then we're gonna all go up the hill together. And it's this, it's this moment of grace that kind of falls over you know, Percy. Um, and, and at this point he's actually resigned He's actually accepted everything that's going on, yeah. even though he still doesn't know the full story. Right. And if anything, this this kind of uh, godly uh, level of of uh, keeping his mind ordered and thinking about this almost like a project manager, uh, you know, dealing dealing with disaster response. Yes. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. like this is this is this is the to me the emergence of uh, of, of one of the uh, the I, I think less talked about uh, elements of his of his half blood. Uh, uh, personality and uh, and and identity in that he he is amazingly cool-headed uh, at this exact moment. He is very calmly thinking like a superhero, yeah, without knowing he's got the kind of superhero powers he's got. And Rick has masterfully woven that into his his ADHD, his battle reflex, where he can prioritize things on the field of battle in these high-stress situations. Go because yeah, do this it. first. It's not just yeah. in this situation. He'll yeah. continue to do it. Yeah. as we go along. Yeah, it's really wonderful. And so there's this kind of triage moment that he's dealing with, and then we get introduced to, in this comedic beat, um, the horror yeah. that is wearing basically Fruit of the Looms and nothing <laughs> right. else. He, he sort of describes the Minotaur as like... In, in, a moment, in a similar moment to the socks, you've got yeah. this yeah, yeah. Got to, unsettling, terrifying figure with just that little bit of... Just some underwear hanging out. Yeah. A Minotaur uh, cosplaying as Captain Underpants. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's it it is this. Um, there's still the sense of urgency, but the way Percy deals with these these huge emergencies is is through humor, uh, and and I I really really love that. And we've done that out at camp too, by the way. When we have our monsters, you know, attack us out at camp, we are always certain that there is a comedic beat you know, in there as well, because um, because Rick is masterful at doing that. So we get this description of, of, of this giant monster, you know, that's kind of black and white with horns, uh, you, you know, so sharp that it looks like they were sharpened with an electric, uh, you know, sharpener. Uh, and he remembers the character from something Mr. Bruner told him in class, right. you know, and and his mom confirms that suspicion. She's like, that's, that's Pasiphae's kid, basically. Um, and then she says, I wish I'd known how badly they wanted to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> Words you never want to hear your mom say. Right. You know, like, yeah. Um, so, and when Percy goes to say the name, we get that classic, don't say the name, names have power. This is, this is actually a really interesting thing because it's much more present in this book than yeah. any of the other ones. It kind of falls by the wayside mm -hmm. right. mm -hmm. later on. They tend to just use the names. It, it still comes up every once in a while, but generally they'll just use the names. Right. 
And it's right, almost, so. he, I, it's interesting how he glosses right over the fact that his mom just said, I wish I had known how bad they were. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, he's, but he's the minute, don't say his name. <laughs> yeah. yeah but it also goes back to that, that calmness in the situation. It's like, he kind of recognizes, eh, it's right. not really what matters right now. Yeah. Like, doesn't matter how badly they want to kill me. This is gonna, it's gonna happen if I don't do something. That, that crisis prioritization. And then his his mom does this really cool thing where she's sort of like the um, you know ringside coach, where she's she sort of coaching. She's like, okay, now listen, his sight and hearing are terrible. You know, um, you know he goes by smell, but he'll figure out where you are soon enough. And so she's given him this this advice, and it's it's kind of this like what's going on here moment and also really cool love it love it um you know what else is really cool when gabe gets bad news and there's 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 bad news coming for gabe right now right now next so so the minotaur i'm gonna say his name um picks the car up over his head and throws it (laughs) about you know where where it it slams into the wet asphalt and skids in a shower of sparks for about a half mile before coming to a stop. And then things get worse. The gas tank explodes <laughs> because because a few scratches and some 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 dents and things aren't enough. I wouldn't say worse is the word Percy would use. It. No. <laughs> yeah. Despite all the, the moment of terror he's obviously wrapped in, yeah. a little point of him is like pausing and watching the car get torn up yeah. and he's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just, you're, you're here to kill me, but that's good stuff. That's good stuff. Yeah, his response to it is is fantastic. Is that, just that you know, like, oops, oops. Right. He's, he's he's checking off a box of emotionally satisfying moments. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, amidst the, all of this. Um, so yeah, and so then his mom says, you know. Uh, he can't change directions very well, you know, once he's charging. Do you understand what to do, mm-hmm. like, with that information? Right. So she's, she's basically telling him how to defeat, uh, you know, like the Minotaur. Mm-hmm. So then, um, you know, I've been worried about an attack for a long time. This is another kind of admission here, you know. This is the kind of thing you maybe should have told me about? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I've been worried about attack for a long time. I should have expected this. I was selfish keeping you near me. And ouch, that stings, right? Dang, mom, I don't, I, I don't even know how to process that. Uh, yeah. What? Yeah. What like what is that supposed to mean? He still doesn't have the context to to rationalize out what is being said. Yeah, and and, and this conversation is sort of happening on the hoof, actually. No, well, every every pun intended. Um, and, and they're making their way towards the pine tree, which, which is the, the boundary or the property marker. Um, you, you know, we later find out to, to Camp Half-Blood. Um, and this thing is catching up to him. It's, it's, there are these beats where, you know, Percy's finding things out. He's finding out how to beat it. He's finding out about camp. Um, and they're getting closer to the tree, but the monster is getting even closer to them as we run. So it's, it's really the... the, the um, it, it's tense and it's really notched up here. So, yeah. So, monster gets closer and closer. Sally goes, Percy, go on. Go on without us. Right. Run fast as you can. And then he does. And he realizes that he's getting charged. What does he do? He goes back to mom's advice and goes, aha, 
Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay, here's what I got to do. Uh, I got to just jump to the side right before uh, those big gigantic horns uh, find uh, find purchase in my flesh. Yeah, and then and then there's this gut-wrenching kind of moment where where the Minotaur catches up to his mom and snatches her up off of the ground with Percy just like I imagine just being an absolute terror he screams mom and the last thing she says to him is go exclamation mark um, and and then with an angry roar the monster closes his fists around his mom's neck and then she dissolves right in front of Percy's eyes I, I think much in the same way Mrs. Dodds kind of dissolved when he ran a sword through her at the museum. Difference here being there's uh, yeah. the, there's this glow of light. To That's it. right. It isn't in just fact, a just a plain disintegration. Yes. In, in yeah. fact, later on we're going to find that it's a different. It is. Yes. It is yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think I, I think in that moment, um, in his mind when he he doesn't yeah. know, you mm-hmm. know it. it right. Yeah. Well, I'm saying later yeah. in this chapter. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. We're gonna, we're yeah, it's just sort of a shimmering, he calls it like a holographic, right. almost kind of projection, and it's a shimmering light, and then she's gone. And but of course, yeah, we're, 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 in terms of information, we're right there with Percy, and we just, we don't have enough information to know if this was, in fact, that different. Yeah. Right. And, and here, of course, we've got that, that loss of innocence that every good coming-of-age story needs. We've got that shiny beacon of hope that mom is, just poof. Yeah. In a flash of golden light and all of the anger and fear giving sort of new life to his limbs giving him strength and then you know um you know what's you know what's real convenient having an having an all red raincoat (laughs) (laughs) you know he just he he you know almost like the legend of zelda he has exactly the right accessory (laughs) in addition (laughs) you know save you know save a sword he's got exactly (laughs) exactly the extra item that he needs right every good hero does yes (laughs) so 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 grover is kind of slumped on the ground at this point and the monster looks like he's going he's going for him uh and um yeah he strips off his red his red rain jacket you know and and says, hey! The one quality yeah. every hero has. Yeah. Luck. Luck. <laughs> hey, stupid! Ground beef! You know? And and then there's the roar! You're a good roar. Can you, can, can you do a, a... I mean, what 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 what, what classification? I mean, what, what Minotaur, family of roar? Minotaur, I mean, Minotaur Angry yes. Bellow. Minotaur Angry Bellow. Uh, <clears throat> so... <clears throat> Sorry, got it. You have to you have to warm warm into your bovine styled monster. Excellent. Warm that into is excellent. Your bovine bellows. Yes. Look, I I'm I'm only good at a few things, and you know I'm, I'm very precise about my art. Yeah. And then like like every good, well trained hero. In this case, he wasn't kind of trained yet, but time slows down during the fight, right? Mm. And and you see that punch coming. You see the 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 gouging with the horns coming. Whatever it happens to be, uh, and you know, Percy's legs tense. He couldn't jump sideways. He didn't have enough time. So he basically does. Well, he sees that the Minotaur has yeah. learned from. <clears throat> right. In fact, this is how he got uh, his mom. Right. Is after missing that first charge. Yep. He starts putting his arms out to the side to prevent that sideways dodge so here comes the bull man arms out to the sides to grab him if he dodges out of the way and what does Percy do? Jedi. he goes up instead 
I have the high ground. <laughs> <laughs> and do, does Neo know how he did this? No. no. Neo just knew Kung Fu. <laughs> but yeah, this is another, you know, you know, kind of hearkening back to, um, you know, you know, bull jumping in ancient Greece. So it's, it's, it's a great image. And um, I, I'm so, I'm so glad that that was, you know, put, put into the story there. I, the one of, one of my favorite just little bits of business comes from the struggle with the Minotaur where, uh, where he just pulls one of the horns off. Yeah. Just, yeah, yeah. You know, it just came off in his hand. Yeah, and, yeah. uh, and I, I, I don't think there's there's quite as much shock from Percy as yeah. uh, as 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 I feel I would have <laughs> in that position of just uh, casually dismembering a minotaur. Yeah, at at some point, I want to get back to this because we had a similar moment out at Camp Half Blood in year four or five that was hilarious. I've been we will circle back to that yeah, at the end of the yeah. episode and, and tell tell camp stories we as we are fond camp of doing. Stories, yeah. yeah. The bullman wheeled toward him, pawed the ground again, and got ready to charge. I thought about how he'd squeezed the life out of my mother, made her disappear in a flash of light. And rage filled me like high-octane fuel. I got both hands around one horn and I pulled backward with all my might. The monster tensed, gave a surprise grunt, and then snap. The bullman screamed and flung me through the air. I landed flat on my back in the grass. My head smacked against a rock. When I sat up, my vision was blurry, but I had a horn in my hands. A ragged bone weapon, the size of a knife. The monster charged. Without thinking, I rolled to one side and came up kneeling. As the monster barreled past, I drove the broken horn straight into his side, right up under his furry ribcage. The bullman roared in agony. He flailed, clawing at his chest, and then began to disintegrate. Not like my mother. Not in a flash of golden light, but like crumbling sand, blown away in chunks by the wind, the same way Mrs. Dodds had burst apart. The monster was gone. The rain had stopped. The storm still rumbled, but only in the distance. I smelled like livestock, and my knees were shaking, my head felt like it was splitting open. I was weak and scared and trembling with grief. I'd just seen my mother vanish. I just wanted to, to lie down and, and cry. But there was Grover needing my help, so I managed to haul him up and stagger down into the valley toward the lights of the farmhouse. I was crying. And calling from my mother. But I held on to Grover. I wasn't going to let him go. The last thing I remember is collapsing on a wooden porch, looking up at a ceiling fan circling above me. Moths flying around a yellow light. And the stern faces of a familiar-looking bearded man and a really pretty girl. Her blonde hair curled kind of like a princess's. They both looked down at me, and the girl said, He's the one. He must be. Silence, Annabeth, the man said. He's still conscious. Bring him inside. Uh, so, Tover, as, as, as we wrap this up, please, please tell us this tale from camp 
Uh, oh, okay. About maybe year three or four. What? Uh, tell, yeah. tell the tale. Around year three or four, we had Lycaon show up, <laughs> and 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 his sons. Yeah. That that year, there were a lot of comedic beats that were completely unintended. One of them was this really tense moment where we tracked Lycaon and a few of his sons down um, in, into this this little kind of cathedral of trees that, that, that formed this kind of tunnel. And we had a young demigod camper with us who was terrified, absolutely terrified. And I had to do some serious convincing just to get her to go on quest that day. And so I'm like, I will hold your hand. Let's go. I've got you. Don't worry. You're fine. And she, she, was, she looked me square in the eye and was just like, okay. I am holding you to this. Right. You, Something happened. You, I, yes, if yes. I die, I will there, come back and take you. There will be, there will be curses upon your family, you know, you know, kind of thing. So we get there, and uh, Lycaon has his back to us, and we'd gotten some special delivery things from the Stoll brothers, and they were, um, there were these little items that when you would throw them, had 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 this this sort of moment that would kind of freeze up whatever they would hit and they'd make a, a popping noise. And so um, the, the, the whole line, the whole column of our demigod warriors is throwing these, these things at Lycaon because we were trying to get to an item um, that was in front of him. And we, we didn't want to do that with, with him there. And so he's, fro he's frozen for a moment. And my dear sweet summer child of a demigod camper is shaking <laughs> and I look down and I see her clench her fists and it's like this anger and <laughs> just overcomes her and she walks up she just like lets go of my hand walks up to Lycaon who's got his his claws out at either side like he's going to tear us apart and <laughs> she walks up and she looks up at him you know, just her jaw clenched, That's and great. she grabs one of the claws on his hand oh. and rips it off. <laughs> just rips it off and then throws it on the ground. Oh I mean, that like that is a pretty definitive not yeah. today, Satan. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. And it, I, like. Like all of the counselors and CITs that were on that quest were just, it was like this slow golf clap, you know, kind of like, we're not quite sh like, what just happened? And then it was <laughs> uh, um, kind of a behind the curtain kind of moment here. I'm looking at Lycaon, who is sort of trembling at this point. Now, I don't know if this it was... Kid, this kid is going to murder me. <laughs> if I were no. like Dayon at that point, I'd be I am, like, all right, you know what? I, I am impressed. Yeah, I am not sure if that trembling is from pain <laughs> or laughter. laughter. But it, laughter. It, was, it was an incandescent moment where you have this, this child who would hide under the tables whenever like villains would, would kind of come near. And I had to convince her that it was okay don't worry you're gonna be fine to this moment where like he's frozen and she's like now is my time right you know like <laughs> like, like it's it's yeah oh it was beautiful and, and we've had so many similar moments like that and 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 
at the end of the week that that demigod having dealt with something that they're not going to deal with every day in their normal lives they're their bully, they're not going to walk up to their bully at school and rip off one of their Lee Press on nails, you know? Um, so it's, it's that like, that I know of. I hope not, kids, kids, please don't do that. Um, but it, yeah, it was, it was this lovely moment like, hey, listen, I faced down my fear. I felt safe enough to do it. And for us, we were all just kind of blown away. It was, yeah, it was wonderful. So that's the story. Next week, we'll be diving straight into Chapter 5, where Percy finally arrives at Camp Half-Blood itself. And just as Percy is about to meet his fellow Half-Bloods, Camp Half-Blood Austin demigods assemble. Join us at camphalfbloodaustin.org. Learn more about Between the Pages, Camp Half-Blood, and everything that we do. The best way to support this podcast is to rate and review us in Apple Podcasts, follow us in Spotify, share the links with friends, tell people that you enjoy the show and why you enjoy it. Did you enjoy Topher's tale from Camp Half-Blood? We might just have a lot more stuff like that in the weeks to come, so stay tuned. In the meantime, see you right here next Saturday for another episode of Between the Pages. Thanks for listening.